Hi, this is Bernie Dake. Welcome to the Salvation Army's Words of Life. Hi, I'm Megan Hoffer. And if you're enjoying Words of Life, I want to invite you to check out another show brought to you by the Salvation Army. Heartbeat is a one-minute show about real life. Heartbeat touches on topics ranging from finances and prayer to dating and mental health. If you're looking for a short message of hope to challenge you and brighten up your day, subscribe to Heartbeat wherever you get your podcast, or visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. Welcome to Words of Life. I'm Chris Benjamin, the producer of the show and director for the Salvation Army's Soundcast. We haven't fired Bernie and Cheryl, don't worry. Bernie's going to join me next week, and Cheryl's going to come back for our next series. Throughout this series, we're interviewing different artists of different mediums, learning about their craft and how they use their art as an act of worship. This week, we're speaking with a published author, Major Stephen Kelly, and he's a fiction writer who uses science fiction and fantasy to share biblical truths in a powerful and entertaining way. We didn't mention this in the interview, but he's actually working on his third book, Borsipa. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but be on the lookout for that, uh, which he hopes to finish uh, in this upcoming year. So to learn more and to purchase his books, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. We are delighted to have with us a, a composer, a songwriter, an author. Um, but right now, your role with the Salvation Army is as the Territorial um, Audit Director? Is that your, your Secretary. Secretary. So tell us a little bit, what, what is your, your role in the Salvation Army right now? Well, um, I, I like to say that our department is there for the protection of the organization as a whole, as well as individuals. Um, lately, we've focused more on, uh, on a risk-based uh, auditing uh, viewpoint. So we've been telling our Salvation Army leaders at the local level that we audit uh, that it's your job to help the Salvation Army march forward in your community. It's our job to tell you where the minefields are. Um, so we, we're helping to prevent or at least detect early uh, situations that could cause the Army either financial harm or reputational harm uh, and hopefully get them out of the way before those mines go off and, yeah. and cause a, a problem. Yeah. And you're making sure that we're being fiscally responsible with what God has entrusted us. So yes. That, I, I mean, the, the, both God and as, and as well, the public trusts the Salvation Army tremendously with the resources that we've been given. And we're so grateful for all the people who put their trust in the Salvation Army. And we in the audit department are, are really entrusted with helping to maintain that level of trust that the public has with us. Can you tell me, tell me a little bit of your, your backstory, how you found the Salvation Army and, and your call to officership? My, my parents were Salvation Army officers. Um, my parents were, uh, at least the time when I was alive, were divisional leaders in uh, four different divisions up in the northeastern part of the country. Uh, my, uh, my older siblings remember a time when my, my parents were corps officers, uh, pastors at a local Salvation Army church. But... I was the, the last born out of four, so I only remember them when they were in divisional leadership. That said, um, having Salvation Army officer parents does not mean that you are automatically called into Salvation yeah, Army yeah. officership. And uh, as a teenager, I had a real profound sense that this was the direction that God wanted me uh, to go. Um, I it, Early on, I believed that—now, uh, we're talking—this is the late 70s, early 80s. 
uh, computers were just getting started at that point. Um, I remember uh, a time when I bought my first computer using earnings from a summer job, and my mother told me, uh, nobody is ever going to want to have a computer in their house. You have wasted your money. Um, so I, I really believe that computerization was a direction the Salvation Army is going to be going, and that uh, I was going to be used in helping to incorporate this new tool into Salvation Army ministry. Well, it turned out that my older brother, Paul, became the IT director uh, in the Salvation Army's <laughs> Eastern Territory. I didn't go that direction, uh, but I still have a, a love uh, for computers as a tool for what they can do. Uh, I use it in my music composition and in my uh, creative writing, as well as all the time with the job that I do. Your current job, some people listening might be saying, you know, what what does an audit guy <laughs> have to offer creatively? Um, and, and you had a great point to say as far as very few of the people that we're actually interviewing through this time around in the series Crafted are actually doing their creative outlet, their art, as a full-time job. So why is it important to you to continue to stay creative? Well, be- before I worked in audit, I was in finance, and then before that, my wife and I had 16 years in pastoral ministry. And, and so a-, a good piece of my career has been in finance or audit. Um, and when, you ha- when you're working in that area and you have this creative uh, leaning in your heart, uh, you have to find some outlet uh, to express that creativity. Because if-, if you try to be creative in accounting, you tend to end up in jail. <laughs> That's great. So I, I was really interested uh, when you sent me a link of your work. And when I first saw that, that you were an author, the first thing that I thought is, of course, you know, as a Salvation Army pastor, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's written some great theological books. That is not the case. And so I was very intrigued when I saw what your books were about. Can, can you just talk about them for a little bit? Well, um, about five years into my officership, I was privileged to attend a preaching seminar which was held at Asbury Theological Seminary. And it completely upended my whole concept of what is preaching. Um, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw was one of the, uh, the leaders there, a uh, man I have a great deal of respect bef- with, and he reminded us that Jesus told stories and that one of the best ways to get through to people is not through a lecture format where you've, you've, you've analyzed a text of the Scripture and you've broken it down into three points and you've looked at the Greek and Hebrew words behind it. And for, for some people, that puts them to sleep. For other people, uh, a lecture format just invites rebuttal and, uh, and arguments. Yeah. But stories draw people in. Stories connect at the heart level rather than the head level. And because of that... Um, Jesus' storytelling it was so effective in reaching people at the heart where decisions get made. And so uh, from that point on, I decided that, that I need to uh, incorporate that into my preaching ministry, which eventually led to uh, my using stories in books to teach uh, the truths of the Scripture. Uh, my first book was called Simbala's River, which is about a young woman living in a primitive village by the sea. There's a river that flows into the ocean uh, right next to her village. Uh, that river gives life to the village. All their crops depend on it. Everything that they have really is connected to either the ocean or that river. In this culture, when a young person is 12 years old, they're expected to spend that next year, between 12 and 13, deciding what it is that they're going to do with their life. 
And uh, so this young woman, Simbala, who has grown up uh, living with the village wise woman, um, who in many ways is in a, a pastoral kind of role, uh, she was adopted because her parents had been killed in a hurricane, she's decided that she's going to spend her 12th year following the river and seeing where it comes from. And it is during this trip to find the end of the river that uh, two things happen. One is she keeps encountering God in his creation. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that we can see God in the things that he has made, and we can discover things about his character by looking at creation. And so as she's traveling, she's seeing these things and coming to a deeper understanding of who God is. And at the same time, she's remembering the scriptures that the village wise woman had taught her. And so it's all coming home to her, uh, understanding that her place, when she gets to the end of her journey, uh, is to be the next village wise woman and to take what she has learned and, um, and teach the people of the village uh, about her Lord. That's powerful. Where, where do these stories come from for you? What, what was the inspiration behind this? Um, when I was getting started with Simbala's River, which was my first book, um, we used to take vacations that involved long car rides. Uh, my children were little, and so when you're driving from Ohio to Florida, that's a lot of hours in the car. And the kids would beg me to tell them a story. And so uh, many times I would say, okay, I need you to give me 20 minutes so I can work things out in my head. And then I would just rattle off a story. And one of them was the uh, foundational basis of Simbala's River. Um, and when we got to the end of the story, which took about two hours uh, out of our trip to, uh, to keep the kids entertained, um, they begged me, Dad, you've got to write this down. You've got to write this down. Um, so shortly after that, we were transferred to Hartford, Connecticut, and I decided, you know, I really do need to write this down. And uh, the story, of course, grew more uh, in the writing than from just telling it off the top of my head. But I knew that it was going to be a, an uphill battle trying to finish such a project. I'd never done anything like this before. So in order to force myself to, to get it done, uh, I was a corps officer, a church pastor at the time. I would write a chapter a week, and I would rent, make copies and put it in the church foyer uh, for the members of our congregation to read. And, and then I invited them to give me feedback, ask questions, it, uh, give me anything that, uh, you know, this doesn't make sense. Um, and so as the weeks went on, uh, I couldn't miss a week because everybody would be begging me, where's this week's chapter? So I had to get it done. So that's how I managed to get it finished. Now, I also got a lot of help uh, from the Eastern Territories uh, Publications Department, um, who really acted as editor uh, to get it into its final form and uh, get the illustrations done and get it into print. Wow. A thing that comes up often, I think, with all creative people is having the, the courage to finally believe that what you are creating is worth someone else seeing, worth someone else's time. What would you say to someone that's struggling like that? Um, it, it is a, a two-sided coin. Uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, you really do need to believe that um, God can use you. Um, and that what you do matters. Um, but on the other hand, you do have to be aware of the dangers of pride um, and you know, thinking too highly of yourself in what you're doing. Um, and so it, you've always got to stay focused on, it's not about me, it's about the message. 
So whether it's writing a song or whether it's writing a, a story uh, or any kind of uh, creative expression, it's, the focus is always on what's the message, how does this communicate God to, to whoever is, is going to see it or hear it or, or read it, um, and it's not to bring me glory, it's to bring him glory. We're going to have links to where they can find you, where they can find these books as well on our website. Um, is there anywhere else they should look to be able to find any of your music or books? Um, for those who are part of the Salvation Army, um, we do have uh, on our ministry toolkit, does have uh, some of the music that I've written, but uh, the books are available at uh, barnesandnoble.com or at amazon.com. The first book, Symbolos River, is also available directly from the Eastern Territory Trade Department. Well, again, we'll have those links on our website, so visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. And Major, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure, and uh, God bless you. Thank you very much. The Salvation Army's mission, Doing the Most Good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support, and we'd love to hear from you. Email us at radio at uss.salvationarmy.org. Call 1-800-229-9965 or write us at P.O. Box 29972, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. Tell us how we can help. Share prayer requests or share your testimony. We would love to use your story on the air. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast store, and be sure to give us a rating. Just search for The Salvation Army's Words of Life. Follow us on social media for the latest episodes, extended interviews, and more. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. This is Bernie Dake inviting you to join us next time for the Salvation Army's Words of Life.